Hello and welcome to DigFinVox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you like today's program, please share it, like, subscribe, help us bring more people to the channel. My guest today is Venkatesh Saha, Head of International Expansion and Partnerships based in Singapore for WISE, the payments fintech formerly known as TransferWISE. Venkatesh has a huge geographic remit, and we talked about the key ingredients to allow a company like WISE to grow into new markets and serve more businesses. Competition, collaboration, infrastructure, regulation, and technology. Venkatesh, uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you here. Hi, Jane. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So you're, one of your biggest responsibilities at WISE is to oversee your expansion into new markets. What's the, what's the biggest challenge? The challenges are many, but, uh, but maybe let me first take a step back and talk a little bit about who we are. So Wise is a company, we, we are 10 years old, we serve 10 million customers around the world. And what we're primarily trying to do is to solve the problem of cross-border payments around the world. We have three pillars of how we do this. So the first is the Wise account, where it's a multi-currency account where you can hold 50 something currencies, the account convert from one to another at some of the cheapest exchange rates in the world. The second is a companion card that is linked to it and lets you spend the money in that account, again, like a local at some of the cheapest exchange rates in the world. And the third pillar is a suite of services that we offer, the, the biggest one, of course, being the remittance service today. We started in the UK, and when we expanded, our first opportunity was to really look at, at the broader European Union as an international business. The advantages of being in the UK and the EU back then was that a single license could be passported to multiple countries, letting us be an international business almost overnight once we had a regulatory permission. That story does not hold true as much here in this part of the world. So, so the first challenge or, or the first obstacle that any fintech needs to overcome when they come to, to Asia is that you are dealing with different regulators, different sets of regulation, different interpretations of those regulations. So what we do as a team is to spend time with those regulators, build trust with them, and eventually get the permissions to be able to offer the suite of products that we do here. In those conversations, Venkatesh, do you find that ultimately the regulators have a common interest and it's just a question of meeting the same interest or can that be quite different? The conversations are varied. So we have some regulators who recognize that our fintechs can be seen as reliable partners that bring a suite of services that could be better than what traditional incumbents offer today and that help lower prices and therefore give an overall better experience to the consumers. Then there are others that are still on this learning curve and are trying to understand how best they could work with companies like us. So here, I have to give a shout out to countries like Singapore, like Hong Kong, uh, and others that have put in place regulation that is fit for purpose for a payments company like us. What is the level of blowback or resistance from incumbents that you encounter? 
even though we may be independently regulated in, in every market that we go into, we still depend on partners, whether it's banks or other payments companies to connect to the payment infrastructure. Why do we need this? We need this in order to pay out the money that you're expecting from a friend or a loved one abroad or collect money from you in case we need to send that money on your behalf um, internationally. Mm. What we're seeing around the world, though, is this broad trend of de-risking where banks or traditional incumbents in several markets um, do not seem to be particularly keen to want to offer banking privileges to fintechs like us. Without access to the payment network, uh, we will not be able to offer our services even if we were licensed. So what we are doing is to actually go and connect to payment systems ourselves. This allows us a few different benefits. One is it takes away any risk that I, I don't want to have to wake up tomorrow and worry whether my business still exists or not. But two, it allows us to control the entire consumer experience from start to finish, while also being able to continuously reduce prices. So we've obviously connected, as you might know, to the faster payment system in the UK. We also bank directly with the Bank of England there. And here in Singapore, we are among the first batch of companies that is now connected to FAST, which is the local instant payment network here. Are you finding ways to try to, you know, I guess, what's your solution to how to best connect and leverage the growth of these faster payment systems, but which are all being designed uniquely and domestically? I think it's important to understand from a cross-border perspective, what do these instant payment networks actually solve for? Mm -hmm. so, so back in the day, 10 years ago, before WISE or formerly TransferWISE began, you wanted to make a, an international money transfer. You had to walk to your bank branch, fill up a form, chat to the teller, and then really hope and pray that the money would get to the other side so you wouldn't know when it would actually reach. You also wouldn't know how much would reach because all of these fees were non-transparent. Right. Um, the reason why this is slow and expensive is because of the traditional correspondent banking network. So money has to sort of move through these set of correspondent banks, which act as middlemen. Each of them take their cut as money moves along the way. So what these instant payment networks do is a few different things. First is by allowing participants like us to connect to them. This means we can either receive payments or send payments within a few seconds. So if you were sending money, let's say from Singapore to the UK, where we are directly connected to these payment systems, we receive money in a few seconds and we can pay out money in a few seconds on the other side. That means your end-to-end -end transaction time of moving money internationally, it could be 20 seconds or less. And that's what we define as instant. So today, more than 30% of our transactions around the world are 20 seconds or less or instant. And this benefits both consumers and businesses alike for whom time is money. So we feel that a company like us that stands at the middle of trying to bring all of these instant payment infrastructures together could be one of the many solutions that any good instant payment infrastructure could offer. Okay. As you grow different markets, you know, you, you, you hinted that uh, the regulations and the infrastructure can, can vary. And I guess the more you expand internationally, the more of that variation you encounter. So as you're growing, are you finding that this is something where WISE is scaling and overcoming these differences to create something that is, you know, super efficient at all levels? Or are you finding that fragmentation is setting into the business model as a result of the greater diversity of marketplaces? 
at the core, we are focused really on one thing, which is to make the cross-border experience, which is sending, receiving, storing, and spending of money across multiple geographies, cheaper, faster, more transparent, and more convenient. Mm -hmm. right? so, so if you look at it within this lens, yes, scale is definitely helping us. The more money that we move, the cheaper it becomes for us, and we are then able to pass on those costs to the consumers. What does take time, as, as I mentioned to you earlier, is this, this ability to, to continue to interact with regulators as we want to open in, in new markets. So is it getting faster as regulators understand fintechs? Yes. Is it fast enough for me? Not at all. I don't think it ever will be. But we acknowledge that this is a journey that we have to get on. And it, it sort of is one regulator famously told me, um, think of this as a marriage, right? We need to have this long courtship before I can feel confident enough to let you in. And, and that's yeah. the approach with which um, I go everywhere. Okay. But I would say the positives are, is that the, the, the acknowledgement that foreign exchange is a problem. So we are seeing this move towards transparency coming from regulation as well. So today in the European Union, there is actually a regulation which insists that financial services providers must be transparent on the fees that they should offer. We're seeing similar trends in Australia, similar trends here in Singapore. So, so all of this is a good thing. And I think as we continue to grow and scale, as regulators continue to evolve, and as consumers begin to understand and use our product more, there's only one good thing that can happen. We can continue to drop prices and be more effective partners to our consumers, whether they are individuals or businesses. Do you see that uh, the business models that, that you're building out are going to be able to withstand uh, competition as, as incumbent banks uh, look to, I guess, replicate bits and pieces of, of what you do? Uh, what a lot of people don't know is today we partner with over 15 banks around the world, digital banks, credit unions, and hopefully soon large banks to actually power consumer remittances for them. So in Asia, we partner with um, um, two digital banks. So one of them is up in Australia. And the other one is Aspire here in Singapore. Um, Aspire is a particularly interesting one because they focus on creating a suite of solutions for some small and medium-sized businesses. And uh, it was their customers who actually came to them and said, hey, we love all that you're doing. We'd actually, we also would like to have a remittance solution. And that's where the conversation started. Mm -hmm. And today we see numerous businesses that are onboarded by up and primarily served by them, but using our rails in order to be able to send the money um, in and out. So that would be one example of a, of a local partnership. Um, another example, which is also a partnership, but, but, but of a different kind, is the kind of work that we've been doing with, with the card schemes around the world, Visa and MasterCard. Um, and so, so let me take you the moment first to walk you through what the world is like today, and then what the world looks like when the, you know, with this partnership now. Traditionally, if you want to launch a card product in the market, you first have to get the regulatory permissions. You then have to go to the local Visa MasterCard office, get your commercials in order, find a processor because we can't connect to the card scheme directly. So you have another middleman, get that all tested and certified. And then maybe six or nine months later, you will have a card product on the ground. Now that is not the kind of speed that a company like us would like to operate at, right? In the ideal world, as soon as we have the regulatory permissions, within weeks, we should be able to have a card product on the ground. So what we have done with these card schemes, and let me give you the visa example here is, 
We now have a global commercial construct with them. So I don't need to talk to individual offices, but more importantly, we have co-created a technical solution with them where we are the first company to connect to the visa network through the cloud. This connection needs only a single global certification, which means as soon as we have the regulatory permissions in any market, I have the partnership already in place on the commercial side. I have the technical connection already ready, right? And all I need to do now is to switch on this product, which means my customers don't need to wait nine months, but in a matter of weeks, we can get this live. And this also answers your original scaling question, right? So as we get more and more of these global partnerships in place, we are able to bring products to market much faster, meet the customer demand, get to that scale faster, which means we can drop prices faster and the flywheel continues. Yeah. Looking out a little further, perhaps a little more speculatively, do you see the crypto space as a potential competitor as you know, people in that world try to mainstream those services and fulfill, I guess, the idea of peer-to-peer uh, money transmission? When we look at alternative currencies, we see a couple of challenges. One is, is just the regulatory piece, right? We are an international business that offers our services in 50 plus markets around the world. Not all of those markets are on the same journey when it comes to alternative currencies. Um, you know, in this past week or a couple of weeks alone, we have seen some countries ban it. We're seeing other large countries getting closer to banning them. But at the same time, we're seeing another very large Asian country effectively go live with or getting very close to going live, right? So unless international companies like us can see a little more harmonization from a regulatory perspective, uh, that will still remain a challenge. I think the second thing that we are watching out for is how ubiquitous is it going to be in, in terms of, of use? Right. So, so people who, who buy a cryptocurrencies today traditionally tend to hold on to it for long periods of time. It hasn't yet become an everyday mode of transaction. It might someday. So we are continuing to watch the space very, very closely. And if we are convinced that working with alternative currencies can, can solve our customers' problems, can make our product or service cheaper, faster, more transparent, more convenient, absolutely, we would look at them much more seriously. What do you see happening in the world of EKYC, biometrics? Um, you know, what's happening on the, on the tech side of these things uh, that you're able to, to onboard into your processes and just where do you see it going? Right. So, so the pace at which governments have moved in, in places like Singapore, like India, like others, which are now allowing near instant KYC through access to their databases, I think has been, has been really, really incredible. And we do, hope that many countries, particularly in this part of the world, will see that example um, and, and, and also do it. It doesn't just benefit us, but it benefits a broad range of financial institutions, service providers um, who don't necessarily need branch interfaces anymore in order to be able to meet their customers. And uh, last question for you, Venkatesh, is um, aside from, of course, the desire to get the licensing that you need in different places, uh, what's on? What would be on your wish list for for this business? Uh, what What would you like to see happen in the world uh, to to make uh, digital payments and, and fintech such as yourself uh, be able to to do more? That list is 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 is, is a long one. Um, so if 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 I could think of a few things, I know you said um, apart from regulation, but I think but. For any fintech, though, regulation is still the most important thing. So, so making sure we, we have two things with regulation. One is that 
regulation is fit for purpose, right? But the second is that regulation also encourages transparency in financial services. So one of the most interesting things that we continue to learn and see, even with 10 million customers, is that many people today still don't even know that, that today they are being charged a very expensive fee by their incumbent provider of financial services, right? So some of the things that we are trying to do is, for example, if you came to our website, we offer a comparison service where you can see how we are priced compared to incumbent players. And if we are more expensive, we actively encourage you to go to your incumbent player or another player in that market, if, if that may be the case. But what this transparency does is it improves competition, it educates consumers and it lets consumers make the best choice, right? And regulation is also important to show that this transparency happens. Otherwise, legacy institutions will never be incentivized to do it. So I think that's one. The second one is a faster acceleration towards instant KYC. So the trends that we're seeing in India and Singapore, we really hope that they will continue to spread, um, not just across Asia Pacific, but globally, because um, that is the fastest way and the most convenient way, whether you're a regulator or in the private sector, to make sure that, that you're onboarding the right set of customers, to make sure that only good money flows through your system, and to also make sure that no bad actors are misusing the process. So I think if we had these two things and the infrastructure instant payments continues to improve, um, we have so much to look forward to. I think we're just about getting started here, particularly in Asia Pacific, and, and there are still many markets where we are not there. In. Okay, well, great. Well, good luck on your journey. And uh, obviously, many of those benefits are uh, accrued uh, across the consumer and small business landscape. So in one form or another, uh, you know, hope we uh, are able to, to achieve some, some improvements this year. So Venkatesh Saha, thank you so much for joining me at Ditch Finbox. Thank you, Jim.